There are many similarities, believe it or not, between great athletes and great saints. For example, both have clear, defined goals. For athletes, the goal is to win championships. For saints, the goal is to win something far more valuable, the crown of eternal life. Both are willing to make incredible personal sacrifices in order to attain their respective goals. Both are inspired by the great ones, the great athletes, the great saints who've gone before them. Both disdain, both detest mediocrity. You know, I'm convinced, especially with all that they make today in terms of salaries, I'm convinced that there are some professional athletes who are happy just to compete. They're happy just to be making a great living at their chosen sport. For them, relative mediocrity is fine. But not for the best of the best. Not for Roger Federer, the great tennis star. Not for Tom Brady, the great football player. Not for Tiger Woods, the great golfer. For them, mediocrity is totally unacceptable. When they go out there to compete, they go out to win. They don't just go out to play. The great saints have the same outlook, the same mindset when it comes to morality and virtue. They're not just trying to make it into heaven just sneaking in the back door. They're not simply trying to avoid mortal sin in their lives. Rather, they are trying to be perfect, as their Heavenly Father is perfect. But in spite of these and other similarities, there is at least one huge difference between great athletes and great saints. And it's that difference that I want to focus on this morning in my homily. The difference concerns the length of their respective memories. In the world of sports, the greatest athletes have the shortest memories with respect to their failure. Most golfers, for example, and sadly I know this by my own experience, most golfers will allow a really bad shot to affect them afterward. Sometimes for several holes, sometimes for the rest of the round. They'll be on the fifth tee, for example, and they'll be thinking back to how they ruined their round, ruined their score with that triple bogey on number two. By the way, if you're not a golfer, a bogey's bad. <laughs> Somebody told me at one of the masses I needed to explain that. <laughs> or they'll be thinking of how they put one in the water on hole number three, and they'll carry that thought with them. 
not Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods has the uncanny ability to get back on track almost immediately after he has a bad hole or even a bad series of holes. That's one of the biggest reasons why he's the number one golfer in the world. It's not so much his physical ability, although he has quite a bit of that. He's number one mostly because of what goes on in between his ears. Golf fans, I ask you, how often has Tiger Woods started off the last round of a big tournament with a bogey? Or worse, and then going on to win the tournament with a string of birdies at the very end. It's happened a lot of times. It amazes me every time it does. That's because on the golf course, Tiger Woods has a very short memory when it comes to his bad shots. He hits them just like the rest of us do, although a lot less frequently. But when he does, he's able to put them out of his mind almost instantaneously. That enables him to give his full and undivided attention to the next shot he has to hit. Tom Brady is the same way after he throws an interception. And that's a Green Bay Packer fan admitting that one. Favre used to be the best, but I will admit it, not anymore. Brady is. He throws an interception, he has a short memory, puts it right out of his mind and goes on with the game. Roger Federer is the same way when he loses a set in a tennis match, which is quite a rare phenomenon, but it does happen now and again. The greatest athletes have the shortest memories when it comes to their failures. The great saints, on the other hand, are exactly the opposite. Saints, and all those on the way to sanctity, hopefully everyone here, have the longest memories when it comes to their failures, that is to say, when it comes to their sins. But interestingly enough, their long memories do not fill them with guilt. This is a misunderstanding many people have, especially worldly people have, about saints. They think saints are depressed people, beating themselves over the head, guilty, feeling guilty all the time. Not at all. Their long memories don't make them depressed, don't put them on the verge of despair. Rather, because the great saints know that God has forgiven them for the sins they've repented of and washed them clean in the blood of Christ, their long memories of their past sins, even if they were really bad ones, make them grateful and even more faithful. Case in point, St. Paul. In today's second reading, St. Paul writes to Timothy many years after his conversion to Christ. But it's clear from what he says in this passage that he hasn't forgotten about any of his past sins. He remembers very well how he persecuted our spiritual ancestors, the earliest Christians, and threw a lot of them into jail. He remembers well how he was involved in the death, in the murder of the first martyr, St. Stephen. 
He remembers his pride, his self-righteousness in his youthful days as a young Pharisee in Judaism. And yet, because he is also, at the same time, conscious of God's incredible love and mercy, and of the fact that he's been forgiven for all of that junk, and for all his other past sins that he's repented of, he's thankful. He's not guilt-ridden. In fact, did you notice? He starts off in verse 12 by explicitly saying, Beloved, I am grateful to him. That is, to God. And then what does he do? I find this amazing because I would have trouble doing this. He makes a public confession. He explicitly names some of his sins. He says, I was a blasphemer. Blasphemy is one of the worst sins of all. I was a blasphemer, a persecutor, someone who's filled with arrogance. And then he calls himself the worst of sinners. But how does he end? He rejoices. And he praises God because of his mercy. That's the psychology of a saint. The parable of the prodigal son that we heard in today's gospel reading is a powerful story of forgiveness and conversion, just like the story of St. Paul. But the parable, as we read it in the Bible, does not answer for us one very important question. Did he stay? Inquiring minds like mine want to know. I mean, it was great. He finally woke up, came to his senses, repented of his sins, went home to daddy, was embraced by daddy, welcomed home by daddy, welcomed back into the family. That was great. But did he come home for good? Did he remain converted for the rest of his life? Or did he run away again at some point in the future? I want to know that. I think those questions can be answered accurately in the following way. If the prodigal son's memory was long, in other words, if he never forgot how his sins had hurt his relationship with his dad and with his brother and with his family and with his other friends, if he never forgot how destructive his sins were, and if he never forgot how good it felt to be reconciled with his dad and welcomed home with open arms, if he never forgot that, if his memory was long, then you can be sure he stayed. If, on the other hand, his memory was short, if he forgot all the pain he had caused, if he had forgotten about all that, if he forgot about all those rotten meals in the pigsty with Porky Pig and his friends, if he forgot how merciful his dad was, how loving his father was in welcoming him, welcoming him back into the family when he returned, if he forgot all of that, put it all out of his mind, then you know what? He probably did leave when temptation came his way in the future. Let me leave you this morning with a few words of practical advice. First of all, 
Do not make the mistake of trying to forget your sins by denying them, or sweeping them under the rug, or just ignoring them. Sins that are denied, sins that are ignored, will affect your life in a negative way, guaranteed, whether you're conscious of it or not. They will affect your personality, even, in a negative way. Many times in my ministry of 20 years, I have come across people who are filled with anger, restlessness, dissatisfaction, anger. And they don't even know why all the time, but it's because they've committed serious sins and they don't want to repent. And who pays the price for it? Their families, their friends, their co-workers. They have to deal with this miserable person. A bad conscience makes for a bad personality. All the time. Our sins need to be remembered. First and foremost, so that they can be acknowledged and confessed and forgiven. But even after they've been forgiven, they need to be thought of often. Not so that they can drag us down, but rather so that God's grace can lift us up. It's very clear from today's second reading that St. Paul was not dragged down when he thought of his past sins, and he had a lot of bad ones. Rather, he was lifted up in his spirit and filled with thanksgiving and joy because he knew in the depths of his heart that he had received an abundance of God's mercy through the blood of Jesus Christ. He knew he didn't deserve it. Nobody does. But he received it anyway. As Catholics, we have that same mercy available to us in the sacrament of confession. Hopefully, we all take advantage of it frequently. The greatest athletes have the shortest memories with respect to their failures. The greatest saints have the longest memories. Therefore, I think it's fitting that I close my homily today with this little prayer. Dear Lord, please give us all extremely short memories when it comes to our chosen sports, if we still are blessed to be playing them so that we will be successful. Dear Lord, if I might add a personal prayer here, a week from tomorrow I have to play in Father Judice's golf tournament again at Kirkbray. I pray for an extremely short memory on that day because I know I will hit at least a few bad shots. And give us, Lord, extremely long memories when it comes to all of our sins so that we will be saints. Amen.